Thank you, Lord, for your steadfast love. When we don't feel we deserve it, your love is still there. When we mess up, when we fail, when we, when we sin, we feel we've fallen short. We need to come to you and say, Lord, here I am. Make me what I ought to be. Lord, through your word today, may we, we learn more how deeply you love us. How you came into this world so that we could live eternal life with you. and That we could know you now. Begin this process of walking with you every day. Thank you for the privilege. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for this day. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've chosen a familiar passage this morning. It's not going to be anything probably very new to you that you've never heard before, but I find that sometimes I need to preach the basics so that I can remind myself where really I need to be in the Lord. Well, I was in a great bunch of kids and uh, just love these kids. God loves children. He loves all his kids. And uh, one of my questions I've had over the years is, why would, have, why would the Lord have made uh, mankind if he knew the mess that mankind would get himself into? Have you ever wondered that? None of you. I'm the only one. Just how great is our God, how awesome his love is, it goes beyond our, our understanding, it just blows our mind, our thinking, it surpasses all our trying to figure things out. And so I titled this, The Reason for the Season, and then it's, just, it's, you know, it's just because it rhymes, The Reason for the Season, you know, that was pretty good, but. What is the real reason we have Christmas? And why, why do we gather? Why do we celebrate? Why do we... Because it is the greatest miracle of all mankind, all history, when Jesus came into the world to live among us, to walk where you and I walk, to feel pain, Rejection, he knows all about your feelings. He understands every portion of our feeling today. And we can say, Lord, you know all about it. I had a friend who would say that in her prayers. She became like a grandmother to me in her prayers. Every time, often when she'd start praying, she'd say, Lord, you know all about it. <laughs> and... And she'd just begin to talk to the Lord in her own way. And that's the, that's the God in whom we can love and serve. We can talk to him in your own way. You don't have to try to be anyone else but yourself. And so we approach him today with, with this confidence this assurance that he is a good God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. We know this by heart. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Then we go on, verse 17. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. That's good news. And this is the judgment. Oh, let me back up. He who believes in him is not judged, but he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does, does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be manifest as having been wrought in God. What is it about mankind trying to run or hide their sin? Can't be done, can it? No matter how dark it may be, God sees through it all. He knows all about us. He knows in every situation. And the quicker we come to him, the better off we are. The further, the longer we wait, the harder it gets to come into his presence. When I stop praising him, when I stop seeking him, when I neglect the word of the Lord, I begin to become less of the person that God has created me to be. And I begin to learn to lean on the arm of the flesh. And the Bible says the arm of the flesh will what? fail us. And so we look at these verses. We say, why, God, would you even bother knowing there would be sin that would enter into the world. Why would you even create these questions may never be answered on this side of heaven. But what I want to focus on today is the reason he has come. His first coming is he comes to the earth humbly, becoming a little baby, helpless, becoming God, becoming dependent upon a parent. Jesus has always been. Jesus came into this world through the miracle God through the Holy Spirit. Jesus was birthed. Jesus came into a humble beginning he was the king of kings, yet he comes into the world born in a manger, a feeding trough, probably. Born without sin. The one who, without sin, then becomes the sacrifice for our sin. It is in the heart. The reason he has come 
It is in the heart of God to save people. If we would sum up the gospel in that few words, we would say, God so loved the world. God so loves people. God cares so much that he comes to us. He initiates the love relationship. He makes us able to come to him because he gave. He stepped out. He initiated. It is in the heart of God to save. You see it all over through the scriptures. You see it in the beginning. You see it in Adam and Eve. You see it when they were running from God trying to hide themselves. You see God coming to them and and calling out for their names and then clothing them with an animal skin. Interesting comparison. Sacrifice had to be made in order for them to have covering. Jesus is our covering today. He is our uh, covering that when we go through this life, he is our, makes us complete, makes us in right relationship with God. That God, when he looks at us, he sees Jesus, he sees the potential that we, we are becoming Sometimes we get impatient, not only with ourselves, maybe, impatient about other people. And God says in his word, first, second Peter chapter three, verse nine, the Lord is not slow about his promise. As some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come. He said, not willing for any to perish. You have an unsaved loved one. You have an unsaved neighbor. You have someone you want to see them come to the Lord. You keep praying this prayer. God, you, uh, you, you died for them. You call their names out. You want to see your family. You want to see your kids. You want to see your grandkids. This prayer is for you. God loves them more than you could even understand. The reason for his comings is beyond what we can even put into words. That God, the almighty God, creator of the universe, wants us to live with him forever and forever? You mean to tell me that he has plans for us beyond this world? Yes, indeed. The thing that we got to remember is that salvation starts now. At, this, at the moment you believe, at the moment the Holy Spirit reveals your need for him and you say yes to Jesus, Salvation and heaven begins now. Come on. Do you believe that? How many need a little heaven right now? Come on. You need a little touch. You need a little power. You need a little encouragement. You need a little, a good word. What's it going to take for us to be aware that he is ever-present, unbelievably, unbelievably ever-present. You mean to tell me when you leave this place, he's with you? Yes. When you start your work, whenever it's Monday or Tuesday or whatever your work, maybe you don't have a job, but whatever you do, he's with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants you to hear what he's saying. He wants you to know what he is saying. He wants you to know him. He has a plan beyond 
all time here. Everything that we may go through in this life is nothing in comparison to what awaits us in heaven above. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, sort of helps me with my question. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. To understand that verse, it helps me understand that he predestined all those who would believe on Jesus to become his sons. It is in the heart of God to save all people. But he never forces anyone. Everyone has to make the decision to say yes to Jesus. And then he begins to make things better in our heart. I'm not saying your circumstances are going to get you know, easy, no problem. I'm not saying that. But I say that God makes things that which maybe is turmoil inside, you begin to be at peace. You begin to learn to walk in such a way that is not of your own. It is not your own understanding. You don't try to lean on your own understanding to figure everything out. You just say, yeah, okay, Lord. I'm, I, so, I love children because they're just like, okay, okay. You know, they just, they just believe. They have a trust, and that trust is learned through the parents that show the love and the consistency. A child knows where to go when they fall down and have an alley, right? They come running to mom or dad. And so we too, as believers in the Lord, we fall down. We get ourselves in trouble. We need to, get, we need to cry unto the Lord, call upon his name. He is not very far away from us. Sometimes I think, oh, you know, God, you're so far away. No, he's not. He says, I'm with you wherever you are. The psalmist said, even when I go into the depths, he's talking about Sheol and the grave, even there. Where can I go without your presence? But what separates us from God is the very thing unbelief separates us and a determination to do it our own way. Or saying to God, well, prove it to me. This doubt or this skepticism. But when God sees a heart and says, I'm just an ordinary person. I'm just, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy even to come in your presence. And God says, you're worthy because you humble yourself. Yes, you're worthy. Yes, you're, you're one of mine. I've chosen you because on that cross is where I paid for your penalty. Your debt, by the way, is paid off. You have no more debt in Jesus Christ. He's come to take care of the problem that we cannot pay. We cannot live good enough. It's, we have to get this in right order. 
living good is not going to get me to heaven, but getting the Lord into my heart, having the Lord in my heart, makes me want to do what is right. And so then it's not me doing it, it's me doing it through becoming Oftentimes, then it becomes more natural. Not natural in us, but accustomed to breathing air. It's like walking with Jesus. It's what we do. The manner in which the Lord came, secondly, he, he chose to, to come in a life that was in chaos. That the world was crazy. The world has always been crazy. But it's getting crazier, isn't it? There's been so many things that have happened throughout history that even Christians throughout history say, Lord, how much longer can you wait? How much longer is it going to be until you come? And the early Christians and the early church expected the Lord to come in their time. They lived in such a way. And we'll get to that later. Jesus, we read about the Christmas story, the manner in which he came. The announcement was given to Mary. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, down about verse 28. Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. That is like, Ah, uh, what? Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. I believe the Lord is with us more than we can even know. That the Lord is with you to protect you in a split second when your life could have been taken. That the Lord is with you in your conversation when you're talking to a stranger or you're talking to a family member. And your Lord is with you. We need the Lord to be with us. So hail favored ones. But her response was this. She was troubled. She was perplexed. This tells me something about sometimes the Lord is with us, we don't realize it. In other words, People are, are in situations where, where is the Lord in all this? How can the Lord be in all this? And when we're going through a situation that inflict pain, or we see others suffering, we say, well, why, Lord? Why, Lord? Why? Now? Why? And the Lord is coming to help us understand that he is for you. And here's the comfort. Next verse 30, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Wow. We can find favor with God. How can we find favor with God? I think a big portion of our finding favor with God is admitting we need God. Verse 30. Realizing I can't live good enough, I can't be good enough, I can't be the person I need to be in God without Him. 
So often fear is something the enemy wants to put on us to keep us from stepping out, to stop us from believing. Fear. But the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of what? Timidity. Right? He's given us power. A sound mind. Power to do what? Power to keep the faith. Power to pray the prayer that will get rid of the devil. That will rebuke the enemy that is trying to hinder you. That we said, enough is enough. In the name of Jesus, be gone. Guys, you become the priest of your home. Run with this. Run with this. Take authority over your, your gifts, your children. Pray their names out. Call them out. that they too will come to understand that they can walk with God. Mary couldn't believe the words she was hearing. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his, his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? She was, this was just not making sense. And so the Holy Spirit explains to her what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And that was enough. That was enough to convince her. But the manner in which Jesus came, his first coming, was not in any way like a king you would expect to come. In his second coming, he will come differently. Hebrews verse 4 and verse 15 describes how that he, has, uh, he is able as a high priest to sympathize with our weakness, but the one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin, Jesus conquered every temptation known unto man because he knew how to live and call on the power of the Holy Spirit. He knew he, he, he was the Word. You have to understand, John's writing, in the beginning, in the beginning was the Word he starts with. In the beginning was God, and the Word was with God. Who's the Word? Jesus. The Word is Jesus. And so now John's Gospel also talks about, John's Gospel 1.14, that he came in the flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus became the greatest missionary ever to live. Why? Well, he was God, you could say that. But every missionary that goes into a place, a foreign country, has to learn their language. It would help. That would help. And then live amongst the people so that they can recognize that, oh, they live where I live. Oh, they eat the food that I eat. Before I can ever try to convert anyone, it's not me that's going to convert them. I just simply got to live the lights, shine the light. And when God opens the door to speak a word for him, Jesus knew when to speak and not to speak. 
One time Jesus wrote in the sand, and we don't know exactly what he said. But all the accusers backed away. All those who had rocks that were ready to stone the woman that was supposedly caught in adultery. They just dropped their rocks and backed away. And then what did Jesus do? He looked at the woman and says, go and sin no more. Salvation came to her. And she chose to believe. She chose to recognize Jesus. You know, when we choose to recognize Jesus, who he is, salvation comes to our heart. You know what also? Salvation starts now. Salvation can come to your whole household. Because you'll take the stand and the steps of children more often to more often than not, to follow their parents. I'm not saying they were all going to go the way you would want them to go. I'm just saying they will come around. The Bible says that a young person, when they're raised in the things of God, will remember, even if they stray, they will remember. It's a story of the prodigal all over again. It's a story about a father who One day, he knew his son was coming back, and so one day, it just didn't happen that he saw his son. He had to be looking for him because he saw saw his son from afar off. So every day, I think he was scanning the fields. It could be today. My son's coming. You know what that is? It's a picture of our God. It's a picture of our Lord, whose eyes are moving to and fro throughout the earth, Look for a heart. He hears your cry. And when you're in your desperate straits, you don't have to wait till you, you don't have to wait till you hit rock bottom to look up. He loves you just as you are. So the reason for the season we talk about a little bit about, you know, we love I love family, I love all the stuff about Christmas, but it's Jesus that needs to be in the center. And the, really, the real gift is knowing him in our heart. So this, this little portion of scripture that we read back in John's Gospel, John's Gospel chapter 3 is so important. It's so foundational throughout the whole scriptures. It's foundational because it's built upon this wonderful truth of for God to love the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him. How are we going to hear, uh, Paul said in Romans, how are are they going to know unless someone proclaims, as someone preaches? And so we need to pray, Lord, help us to be a light in this world, to be a light in a dark world that is around us, Men love darkness. If men are living in sin, they love darkness because they don't want really to be seen. God exposes sin. The best surgery, the greatest surgery of all kind is when God does it. He goes past all what we think, all our understanding. You know, you don't even have to say very much. You just say, Jesus, 
I, I need you. At that very moment, he comes. He's not too almighty to come back to this earth. He's not too almighty to show up in your, in your, in your car or your, your workplace. He's not too almighty to give you a touch that you need. He came to save the lost. He's still working by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. How can God be everywhere at once? Because the Holy Spirit's everywhere at once. I can't wrap my mind around that, but I know it's true. We have brothers and sisters all around this whole world. that are worshiping the same God, the same Jesus. The Bible says that every eye is going to see him someday. Every eye. We come to the third point, what you call his, his second return. Because Christmas reminds me of this first coming, therefore there's going to be a second coming. Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, after he had seen or said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on. How did you just see this? He was lifted up. He was transported. They were gazing into the sky while he was departing. Behold, men in white clothing. I wonder who they were. They were, were angels. Isn't it interesting how the angels were involved in his first coming and the angels are involved as he leaves? Did you know that the Bible says he gives his angels charge concerning you? Lest you dash your foot against a stone. I love it. And then the angels say, why do you stand gazing into the sky? Though Jesus has left, now the promise that the Holy Spirit will come is going to happen. The very next few verses. Now that Jesus has gone, now the Holy Spirit is going to come and fill you with power. And that was the, 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 the instruction given to the church. The tarry until you have the power of the Holy Spirit that will empower you to witness. Not everyone's called to be a preacher on the street, but everyone can testify. Live the life. Your greatest message and my greatest message is not necessarily proclaiming. It's how you lived your life. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I was carrying the garbage out this morning, and a thought came to me. It's not 
how you're going to preach today. It's how you're going to live today. Boy, does that take, that takes, takes me off the limelight. I don't like the limelight. I don't want to be in the limelight. I want Jesus to be in the limelight. I'm just a sinner just like anyone else in need of salvation. Jesus has come. The reason we can have our joy and have a hope for tomorrow, have a hope for our kids and their future is because Jesus lives and he's coming back. When he's coming back, the Bible doesn't tell us when he's coming back. He just says, be ready. No man knows, not even Jesus. But it's going to be different than the first coming. You can get excited when you read in Revelations about his second coming. He's coming in on a, on a horse. The Bible says he's riding in on a white horse. He who sat on it is called faithful and true and righteous as he judges and wages war. He's, he's going to bring judgment. He's judged the nations. He's going to judge the things that are happening around Israel. Amen. He does not turn his back on his people. Never. He chose Israel. He also chose whosoever. Israel was chosen because they were small. Isn't it interesting how God Almighty does things through small things? A little boy's lunch. A lady called Esther. Right? She came trembling in her time and became the salvation of her nation. God has not forgotten you in your season of life. God has not forgotten you in your challenges that are you're going through even now. The best news to the church of Jesus Christ is to keep believing you're coming. We're going we're to leave this place. But let's be found faithful. What do you want to be doing when the Lord comes? I just want to be in right relationship. If I'm out in the woods, so be it. That's a great place. I feel close to the Lord and nature. I can hear better. Wherever you can find a place, get alone with God and say, take my life, use me, fill me. Help me to live in such a way that would be an encouragement. That's all we got to do. Look for someone in the courage. Let's make it simple. Let's keep it simple. Your family gathers maybe around Christmas. Maybe there's some, maybe there's some people in your family. You know, it's not easy. 
Let the love of God fill your heart.